Good Friday to you. Welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm skipping over the formalities and the fancy introduction. Chris Anderson is in the building, and we are working on a deadline today. We are recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Typically, our Friday podcast is dated by the time it comes out, and we're expecting at some point here news from the Big 12 about who made the all-conference team. This was supposed to actually happen Wednesday, but... Wednesday was kind of busy for the Big 12. They backed up the release of the all-conference team until Thursday, the preseason poll until Friday. Those are a day later than normal. They also postponed Big 12 media days, which, Chris, we kind of wondered if they would have that and perhaps why next week without any type of a resolution to if or how they'll play the season. Sure enough, they're going to wait until August 3rd. Seems like the, the only backboard that exists right now for making a decision is the end of July, whatever the heck that means. And do we play non-conference games? Do we play all of our games? Do we play conference games plus one? So to continue the trend, we hurry up and wait. Well, I guess we're taking the advice of uh, Neil Brown, who said that his stance all along for pretty much everything is to wait as long as possible before making any decisions so that you can have as much information as possible um, because things are changing so quickly and, and so dramatically, uh, you want to have information before you make any, any rash decisions. So I think, um, <laughs> it is funny that we talked about that on Tuesday. All right. That, Hey, get ready. We're going to do big 12 teams and, and, and then we'll do poll. And I can't believe they're doing big 12 media days. And within an hour of us recording that podcast, like you said, sometimes our podcasts get dated if we wait even just a few hours to post it because we posted it a couple hours later and before it even got up, there were the emails uh, that delayed, <laughs> delayed, and delayed. So there we go. You triggered me. I don't know if you realize this or not. Maybe you know me well enough now and you just did this on purpose or on accident. I don't know. Um, waiting for the best information, trying to figure out things you can't figure out, all those things you just said. It absolutely does not apply to what we expect to happen Thursday, which is the Power Five, in conjunction with the NCAA, will at long last figure out how they're going to, I, I don't know, recommend, I think is the word. I don't think that's strong enough. I think mandate, require, something with those type of teeth is going to be impactful here. But how they will recommend teams do testing, apparently test on a Wednesday, play on a Saturday. Um, Chris, it's August Two weeks from now, teams will be beginning practice a week later. So you have about three weeks until this starts. Uh, we're talking on July 16th. People are listening on the 17th or later. We have been in this bubble for 18 weeks. We have about six, seven till the first game, depending on when people play. It is an utter failure of leadership that it took them this long and until this juncture to come up with what seems like the most obvious plan on day one, that you're going to have to require some sort of testing. I think that's why we're in this situation, because they just haven't been able to move forward. I understand there's some stuff that you can't do. Like, you can't pick out games to play and not play right now. You can do that two weeks from now. How do these people not know you'd have to have a universal and likely mandatory testing process? And is that why we're still stuck treading water so close to either the finish line or the starting line? Uh, you saw me, you talk about um, triggering somebody. Don't you remember me getting worked up about the Big Ten making this move and the Big 12 not knowing what the Big Ten was doing and the ACC not knowing what 
the Big Ten was doing, and they had all talked but hadn't talked and hadn't shared information, and just a complete and total lack of leadership at the top of the at, of the Power Five group. I mean, college football as a whole, but specifically the Power Five group. I mean, we know that they act um, a little bit separately than everybody else, and it, it just boggles my mind that they all of their interests are the same. Um, I get it, like. In some ways, they're competing against each other, but in the end, their interests together are the same. They are trying to get to the same goal. They're trying to work together. They should work together, especially in this, and they're just not. And I can't wrap my head around why. And I think you put it best on our board that what what are we, uh, four or five, I guess it was four months ago last week that you know, that, that was when they canceled, decided to start canceling sporting events was, was about four months ago. Mm-hmm. And it took that long for the bit, for the, um, college football, the major conferences and college football to say, Hey, maybe we should work together on this and come up with a plan. Like, Oh, really? I think that's a genius idea. Um, I, I, I can't get, I, I still don't understand how we got to this point before they actually work together on something, but um, it is an important step. So it's needed because if you don't have that testing and it has to be uniform across, uh, across the board and something else we've discussed before, it has to be a third party it has to be, it cannot be somebody at the university because they will be pressured in some way or another um, because football is King winning is King money is King. And if, you know, if you can try to sneak a player onto the field that's asymptomatic and try to hide the fact that maybe he tested positive, I, I hate to be a cynic or, or a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but th- there are going to be teams that might try to do that or ignore testing. We've seen it. I mean, these schools flout the rules in every way possible with recruiting, with eligibility. Um, we've had guys banned for, substance, for substances, so it would not shock me if they tried to get around it that way. Do you have a stopwatch, a clock, a wristwatch? I do. All right, uh, count me down, and then I want you to count how long it takes me to say what I'm about to say. Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go. You know, we're supposed to play football in 2020, and we have this virus. I think we should test everybody, and I think everybody in the Power Five should test. Let's move forward with that. Stop. How long? Ten seconds. Ten seconds. Why did it take, why did it take four months? <laughs> it took uh, me ten seconds to come up with the most obvious thing. Like, that was point. It wasn't even one. It was point zero 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 one. It was that obvious. You were not going to get back on the field unless you had testing at the very beginning. Perhaps this, you know, shrivels up and dies out. I don't know, a month ago, two months ago, whatever. There were people who thought that could happen, and I don't blame them for being optimistic. But even if you're optimistic, you can't be stupid, and you have to plan and condition and try to figure out other ways around this. We've seen this in various sports and other capacities within sports right now. We can talk about one in a minute that involves football scheduling, but. If you just stick your head in the sand, you're going to get trampled at some point. And that's what I'm afraid of now because it's this long. And again, realistically, you're going to have to do some maneuvering here. It's not a 10-second operation like I just dramatized. But in West Virginia, to my knowledge, there is one lab that is processing all of these free public tests. Um, and it's taking a long time. They're getting backlogged because they're doing more tests. People are worried now in West Virginia. Not that they weren't worried before, but it's more urgent. There's more tests. The single lab is overwhelmed. It's taking in excess of a week sometimes to get tests back. You're not going to be able to send 65 times 120, let's say, 150 if you count staffers. 65 schools, 150 staffers. You can't send them to one lab. 
realistically, you're going to have to have multiple labs either in a conference or in a state because many states have more than one school. And you're going to have to hope that you can get tests done on Wednesday and turn back on Saturday. There are a lot of people who do not think that is adequate, that it should be Thursday to Saturday or Friday to Saturday. Sometimes, you know, teams don't practice on Saturday. So get through with your practices on Thursday, test, get the results back. Can you turn them around that quickly? Probably not. And that's a problem because you have to fix that now. You have to figure out how you're going to process and produce test results. That's going to be tricky. I did not realize that was a hurdle. People have explained that to me in the past 48 hours. In addition, it is not free. These people are not going to donate in-kind work as some sort of a booster to their favorite football team. Maybe some will. Not all of them. 65 teams. They're rich. They're in the Power Five. Are they all going to want to do this? Yeah, Probably not. There are going to be parts of the country where – Football is really popular and maybe testing is or excuse me, maybe the, the positive results in the cases and the outlook is good. And they're going to say, why should we incur this expense? We're fine. We're not testing. You might have people who say we can't do this. Yeah, we're a power by school. We can't ring up, uh, I don't know, three quarters of a million dollars in testing for out throughout the year. Um, I'm maybe not ballparking that correctly, but certainly hundreds of thousands of dollars. So what happens now? You're rushing through a recommendation and air quotes. You're not requiring anything. You're not saying if you don't do this, you're out. You're just saying we're recommending you do this and they're going to say i recommend you let me handle my own business in no way would this guarantee 65 teams play and now the ncaa and these five conferences have to figure out well what do we do when someone says no we're good our local situation's fine we're not doing it or no we can't afford it we need help who's going to help me pay for it or no we're not going to do it because we can't pay for it we're not going to do it every week we're going to use screening and testing we're just not going to do what you told us to do because we don't have to we don't want to we don't have enough time, et cetera, et cetera. These are all things you can figure out when you're working with months as a runway and not weeks. And that's what really worries me is that they've waited so long on the obvious thing that it's going to cause problems because there's not enough time to solve it. And we haven't even gotten into more significant measures. Is it number of players available or number of players who are out? What is the threshold to delay a game, postpone a game, cancel a game? That's a huge deal that, as we're talking right now, has not been resolved. Perhaps that's in whatever edict comes out today from the NCAA and the conferences. But if it is, are you sure everybody's going to agree on it? Or are those going to be recommendations too? And you have to deal with people who stand up and say, no. Time's ticking. And there's a lot on the line here. Um, you can try to create time in different ways, but this just worries me above anything else. The virus worries me, safety worries me, all that stuff I get. But the fact that there's just not enough time for perhaps for a lot of problems it makes me think that could be most, I don't know, consequential, the most jeopardizing element of this whole prolonged problem. Well, that was a lot longer than 10 seconds though. That right there. Sorry. I'm a <laughs> no, little agitated good. by this. And like, again, I, I like tell. if you're an AD and you didn't see this coming or if you're a president, you didn't see this coming again. I have serious questions about whether or not you should be doing that job. I just like, if I can't trust you in the extremes, it's going to be really hard to trust you when whenever we get back to normal, never mind, how do we get back to normal? Are you the person to do that? I don't know. But like, we're going to see a lot of people who figured this out and who didn't. And if you didn't, people have to ask why. And you're going to have to give answers. Like, this is a big time for visionary people and people who can get you out of trouble when maybe they didn't get you in there. But if they can't get you out or if they got you in there, you have to ask some serious questions. I Correct me if I'm wrong on my on my timeline here i'm trying to figure it out but if i'm reading this correctly and processing it correctly we're saying the guys are going to get tested on wednesday they might not get their test results back until saturday um could you imagine like wh what are coaches supposed to do when it comes back and it's hey 
your entire running back room just tested positive. They're all out for the game. And one of them was hanging out with your right guard. So your entire right side of your offensive line is also out for the game. Good luck. Like two hours before game time. I mean, I get being prepared, but there's going to be cases here where it's going to, because, because the criteria I saw was not only obviously that the one person who tested positive, but contract tracing and those people have to quarantine and, and so on, just like we do with everything else uh, with this virus. And once it starts affecting the football team, you're talking about wholesale lineup changes a couple hours before kickoff. And I, I, I mean, I get that that's probably the least of a lot of people's worries, but that that's going to cause a lot of problems in college football. It's Wednesday through Saturday is rubbish. It's Wednesday to Friday because you have your meetings Friday night and you have to know, can I continue this game plan or do I have to change things in the 11th hour? It has to be. You can't wake up at 9 a.m. for a noon game. Hell, that's not even right. You can't wake up at 7 a.m. for a noon game, get an envelope from the lab that says these six players are out because here's two things that happen. How do you switch? How do you switch your game plan? How do you tell that person, hey, you're starting. You never played. You're starting. Or you're moving from second string to first string. You're moving from third string to backup, whatever. You got to do all that stuff. The player will probably like some notice, but imperfect. I get it. Maybe they can deal with that. Fans, television, what happens if the game is delayed or postponed or canceled? Um, what if they don't have adequate test results and they say, listen, we don't have the results yet back. We're going to kick off at four instead. TV might be worried. Fans might be worried. However many are allowed in. So it's got to be turned around by Friday night. I mean, I don't, I don't know how they can get away with Saturday because there's so much stuff that would pop up that you'd have to address. And I'm sure coaches don't want that. Again, beggars, choosers. I get that, but. Probably should have worked this out before. Well, uh, as I understand it, we've worked this out, or you have, am I right, on how to plan properly plan for mass outbreaks of uh, positive tests on the football team? Tried. It's, it's, it's okay. I mentioned this last podcast. Um, Neil Brown, end of June, spoke to us and said that he'd been kicking around different ways to practice in the event that they actually do this, and he can't figure out a way to actually practice with the full team because – you risk exposing your first team and your second team to the same virus that may wipe out your, I don't know, your starting players at a, at a position. Your your first two, I don't know, never mind like your starting left tackle and starting right tackle because of the first team practices together that may happen. But if your first team left tackle and right tackle are knocked out and they're practicing with your second team left tackle, right tackle, and I lost everybody that matters at your position, your platoon. So he mentions – Practice ones and threes on offense against twos and fours on defense. Practice twos and fours on offense against ones and threes on defense. Um, I'm probably taking liberties with it. But it may be a, a fantasy that he's actually not going to do. It's been a while since then, so perhaps he realizes it's a bad idea. I haven't been able to shake it. I think it's indicative of the situation the coaches are in and also how hard it is to make anything work, even an idea that seems as smart as that one does. Um, there's logistical problems in there, like special teams, um, how do you work on packages that may borrow players from different teams, um, first team, fourth team, second team, third team, whatever. But also, do you have enough players to do it? The math says yes. The math says yes. You got 85 scholarship players, a bunch of walk-ons, uh, 22 players on the field times four teams, 88. That's less than 100 plus players. But you have a lot of players concentrated in one position. Um, you have specialists who count into that 100 plus, so that takes them off the top. So I got into it and. It's not hard to fill out first and second teams. It gets harder on third teams. And frankly, you just don't have enough on fourth teams. Um, you're going to see cross-training. I absolutely believe that's a thing now because you're going to have to find ways to do it. So perhaps you don't have enough, uh, I don't know, slot receivers. Well, Alex Inkfield, you can do it. Can you play slot and also be our second team running back? Possibly. 
The one thing I don't know about is is the defensive backfield and how they're going to make it happen. Um, the thing I've had a hard time figuring out, where's Jaido Favoris going? Where's Jackie Matthews going? Where is, you know, we don't even know if that's corner or safety, but even in the defensive backfield, um, the secondary and the back end, Alonzo Adai, uh, Noah Guzman, like where are you going to put those guys? Scotty Young, where do you put them? So part of it's kind of fruitless because I may be right that they're going to be a safety, but which one? Uh, part of it is kind of frustrating because it's it's going to be hard to practice your twos and fours one day because you just don't have enough fours. Fruitless, annoying, but that's not going to stop you from doing it. I can't wait to read it. I really can't. I'm going to do two editions. I'm going to do the the one and three offense and the two and four defense, um, and then I'm going to roll out with the two and four offense against the one and three defense. But um, defensive line is really interesting too. You and I talked about that. Where do they put guys like Martin? Sean Martin, uh, Akeem Mesador, Edward Vesteran, and where do they put them? Are those ends or tackles? And do they end up in a spot because of a need and not necessarily their potential or ability? So kind of, a, again, it's it's one big problem that creates so many other little problems there, too. Um, speaking of problems and solutions, our fascination with the final basketball scholarship appears to be over. Uh, actually, it is over. Um, kind of out of nowhere, but a situation we've witnessed before but West Virginia has a 6'9", 6'10", 6'11". How about a tall, uh, <laughs> raw player? Certainly potential exists there, but Senny Njai from, let's say the southern part of the state, formerly Huntington Prep, has been spending his time staying sharp, getting sharp, getting big and cut up, it looks like, too, um, at Beckley Prep. He's a 13 scholarship player, and one we kind of thought about earlier, but kind of faded from possibility and then even as recently as this week you've been writing about him as a 2021 prospect what happened here yeah so he was he he graduated high school so he he's done he can be a 2020 recruit but most every college viewed him as somebody that and and still do somebody that needs to add some weight some bulk refine his game and reclassify to 2021 so it was like hey go to prep school do take your fifth year of high school this is what he was going to do at Huntington Prep before things went sideways there. And then he ends up at uh, Beckley Prep where they were getting him ready for this season and having him work out. And um, and that's kind of where West Virginia kind of circled back around on him because they had that spot. And like you said, this is almost kind of similar to the Jalen Bridges situation and that Jalen Bridges was supposed to be um, – 2018, then 2019, or excuse me, 2019, then 2020, and then back to 2019, very late in the process, uh, and playing to redshirt. Um, I fully expect Injai to redshirt this season. I no reason to think otherwise. And um, we kind of like it. I mean, you, I'll give you credit. You, you were the first one to throw it up. When we were discussing what to do with that last scholarship, I said, first and foremost, I felt like it needed to be a point guard that could help right away or, or, some, or an off guard, somebody that could help right away in the backcourt. And then you floated this idea and, and I really liked it at the time. And you, you sold me on it of getting a big man who could redshirt and develop because Oscar's Oscar and Derek Culver, while still have eligibility after this season, you have to be prepared for one or both of them to be gone after this season, given their skill set and what they've already kind of, you know, tip their toes in the water to see what's in the next level. Yeah. This is actually the player that we thought about with that, that idea in mind. And then when he thought about going to 21, 
that's when we thought, yeah, maybe not. If they do this big red shirt, it might just be a transfer of somebody. Um, I think initially that the, the thought around um, NGI was that he or a player like him, his development would be better served playing a, a 30 game prep season and playing, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes a game. It's, it's good for him physically and culturally, I guess, just to observe this here and be a sponge. You got to be as good as Bridges was apparently to make it work. And I don't know, perhaps he is, I don't know him very well, but it's, it's, it's an undertaking to let a kid red shirt and give him everything he needs. So maybe they have an idea how to do that. Maybe they talk themselves into it. And I think there's also a possibility that, you know, who knows what high school basketball is going to be like, or prep basketball is going to be like, he might not have had the opportunity to develop, you know, if they don't have a season or if they don't have a full schedule, is he going to be on the court doing stuff? Is he going to get better? Like they thought? No, or maybe not as much. They only play like a limited schedule. So it might be better off to have him in house. And then if they do play, perhaps he blows up and there's some great competition for his services and you regret not pulling the trigger now. Um, I think the lesser of all evils right now is to have him on here and apply to what they apply to Bridges, to apply that to um, NGI too and see if it works. He's got some stretch to his game. Perhaps he develops a good shot. Um, looks like he's going to be a guy who rebounds over people as opposed to through him. And maybe he does some good rim protecting and uses his life and his bounce to do that. But um, more importantly, they don't have to worry about that now or that scholarship. Here's the question now, what happens to Taj Thweet? Because I think 24 hours ago, he was probably a candidate to redshirt. I don't know if you can go into a season now keeping two forwards on the side who can't help you. Um, now, granted, NGI doesn't necessarily affect Wheat because even if there's no scholarship, Wheat was on the block, I think, to maybe redshirt or play. You know, what's going to be best for him? Spending a couple minutes a game, maybe not even playing some games, or redshirting and see what happens. So um, you're one shorter in the front court because it looks like that NGI won't play, but perhaps this nudges Wheat toward playing time, or perhaps doesn't change anything with him. What do you think? Um, I, 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 like you said, different players, different positions, but you, I really doubt you can have two guys on the bench red shirting for the full season. So I think you will see Thweet play, um, not into the world if he doesn't, uh, cause he, he can develop and get stronger and it, or get a clearer path to playing time, but he's big enough and has the energy and the athleticism that I think he's developed enough to at least play a few minutes right now. I really liked your Anai at Oklahoma State. Thought he was a good screen setter, a good um, you know screen and roll guy, good defender, catches lobs. Maybe a lazy or an easy, but like just watching a little bit of Enjai, it seems like some of that game to him where he's he's a long guy, a good target if he's on the move. May not have a great post up game, but if he can pull you out, that's good. And again, that that height and length that doesn't lie at the rim. He's going to be able to block and deter shots. Um, and I'm assuming he'll go to school on that over this next year. Uh, and another prospect to kind of keep an eye on, uh, not for this season, but uh, down there at Beckley Prep was, now I'm going to butcher his last name, but Sam Al- Alajiki, I believe, from Ireland. Uh, we've kept a close eye on him for several months now. He visited, um, uh, Ron Everhart visited him as soon as he showed up to campus or showed up to the United States. Uh, so that should kind of give you a hint of, where he ranks on their board. No offer yet, but he was uh, in for a virtual official visit, uh, which, you know, again, no offer, but you don't often invite guys up for virtual virtual visits like that if if you're not seriously interested. So it's possible that West Virginia could keep tags, tabs on that team that's getting put together down there at Beckley Prep. 
final one will go here. This kind of ties into scheduling that we talked about and some of the testing procedures. This idea that the kickoff game, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, um, we talked to them yesterday. They were doing their media rounds because they won't be at the media days like they typically are. They always go to the conference media days. They're not going to have that this year. So their CEO picks up the phone, has a couple phone calls with people covering teams. We were on the phone with them yesterday. He says, hey, maybe there's a way that we can help the problem in college football, which is it looks by all intents that at the minimum we're going to have conference-only games. And they suggest, well, the ACC and SEC, they want to play their cross-conference rivals, Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Kentucky, and notably for West Virginia, Florida, Florida State. Florida State is supposed to be in a non-conference game against West Virginia. Georgia is supposed to be in a non-conference game um, against Virginia. So Florida State, Georgia, they might migrate to the plus one model to play Florida, Georgia Tech. That leaves West Virginia and UVA at the altar in Atlanta without anybody to play in this possible plus one model. And they say, hmm, let's make this work. How about we give you the Labor Day time slot, which is cherished at that part of the college football season, and bring in the Dome, have a little border war, pay a couple million bucks, reduce your ticket minimum, and try to make this as easy as possible. Uh, I like the idea. I don't like Labor Day because you're supposed to play a couple days later, maybe. Um, that's if they play conference games, but it seems silly to, or if they play more than one non-conference game, that seems silly. So I'm okay with Labor Day because you're probably not going to be playing Eastern Kentucky a couple days later. That's probably going to be a blank spot in the schedule. Um, I see no reason not to at least seriously consider this offer. Uh, the CEO was supposed to speak to Shane Lyons later in the day. Have not caught up on that. Assume we will, but best of a bad situation, it seems like. Yeah, I'm just glad somebody's being proactive about things instead of reactive, uh, being ready, prepared, having options on the table. Um, it's great that it actually kind of worked out that way because if, say, UNC and Auburn, uh, say it was somebody else that, that had a, a team to play uh, cross-conference for that uh, you know conference play and one that you were referring to, then it doesn't really work out or someone's getting left out there. And that would kind of, you know, leave a sour taste in somebody's mouth. So there was a little luck involved. But the fact that they're already maneuvering for this and have already kind of floated it out there to prepare for it, um, I, I love the ingenuity and, and the readiness that we're not seeing a lot of other places. It does indicate that they have some insight that the conferences are trying to go to the plus one model. Um, I don't think we're going to see a full non-conference slate. I think that in the best way to say we're going to play is to say we're not going to play every game. Um, what outcome do you see? Do you see that these conferences that have not committed to conference only, do you think that they're going to drag this out as much as possible and try to play the season? Or do you think they're trying to arrange a way, like we talked about before, use all 14 weeks for your conference games, or your conference plus one, um, but scratch out your non-conference play? I, I like the idea. Uh, say, uh, say nine conference games. Uh, with with a plus one so everybody's playing 10 games um, and then you, you know 10 games in 14 weeks that gives you some flexibility to move things around and to get uh, you know in case something gets canceled in case there is a major outbreak and things have to get canceled or local laws hamper a, a game early in the season but open it up later or or, or whatever you, you need some flexibility here and I think that model would provide it what do you do with the SEC and ACC? Because they only play eight conference games. Do you let them go plus two? Or do you no. make them go plus one? 
Tell him to no, 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 no. You you tell him to suck it up and play another tough game instead of setting up. You know, Northwest Missouri State in Week 13. You play another conference game just like everybody else. Yeah, I don't. The the gentleman I spoke to, the CEO um, Gary Stoken, he he said that he doesn't think that the Power Five is going to be able to schedule a group of five. And if you look at this legislation that seems to be coming our way, it's Power Five for testing. I don't think the Power Five schools are going to play group of five schools. My context clue is that it's a NCAA slash Power Five testing mandate, and I don't think the Power Five schools are going to be comfortable saying, "Let's go ahead and play." But when we play that group of five team, who knows how they're going to test? We'll just roll the dice and, and take the risk. I don't think you're going to see that. So I think if they do go to 10 games, so that might be for the nine-game schedules plus one. But for the ACC and SEC, it may be plus two, and they're going to have to find two power five schools who need two games. That could be tough. I don't know how they're going to resolve that one. Well, what, what's your favorite thing to say lately? I'll take the money, but not the decisions, the decision-making. Yep. As again, I think I'm good at this one, though. I think I would actually <laughs> renege on that a little bit and say, no, I'll take the money and the, and the title here and the responsibilities. But, um, <laughs> hey, we have uh, big news, Big 12 coming, so we're going to sign off here. The news will be old by the time you get it, but that's why we're going quick, wrapping up today. So for this Friday, that is all this time. We will talk to you next time for earsports.com. I'm Mike Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you more later.